Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Ben Elliott. Ben is a performance coach with over 15 years of experience. Specializing in mindset and high performance, Ben's skill set lies in helping you retrain your brain to change your self-story into something positive and in turn, maximize your potential. Ben's practical methods are simple and easy to follow. And in this conversation, he shares some helpful tips and tricks to beat negative thoughts, imposter syndrome, and live your life in a more fulfilled and happy way. This episode is for anyone who wants to improve their life, relationships, career, and most importantly, your relationship with yourself. I know you're going to love this one. Let's get into it. So Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited because I know I'm going to learn so much. So just to tell everyone listening, I have had the honor and privilege of listening to Ben present on uh, two occasions at a conference and he is absolutely amazing. So I'm really excited for myself to learn a lot more about mindset and goal setting and all those issues that we struggle with, like imposter syndrome. And uh, Ben's going to take us on a bit of a journey. But um, Ben, do you mind if we start off um, where you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how you've ended up where you are today? Yeah, so at the moment, or for the last 15 years, I've been a performance coach with a specialization in mindset. So basically, people come to me, and they know that they have more potential, they want to achieve their goals. But as we all know, most of the time, we kind of know what to do once we have the right advice. It's about how do we actually do it and do it confidently, do it consistently. So uh, my, my skill set is all around mindset and headspace. So I've been doing that for 15 years. Um, interesting journey. I started off from probably the age of about nine years old, thinking I was going to be a professional basketball player. So my whole life was dedicated to be the best athlete, the best uh, basketball player you can be. So because that was my priority, I got to the point where I needed to get a job. And then I thought, okay, I don't know what to do with my life because basketball is one thing. And that led me at about 17 years old to focus on becoming a personal trainer. So from basketball led me into the exercise side of things and the personal training side of things. And then what started to happen is I noticed this theme. So uh, I was a passionate basketball player. Uh, I'm only five foot 11. So a bit of a disadvantage in the height factor because everyone I was playing against is six foot one and two, but it wasn't my lack of height or my lack of strength that made me unsuccessful in terms of um, reaching my full potential as an athlete. It was my mindset. I had the skills, had the abilities, but I noticed that I couldn't get myself confident. I couldn't take action um, in terms of the extra trainings, the extra workload. And so I always had this little note in my mind that if I had understood how to change my headspace, I could have went further. Same thing happened in my uh, personal training business for those few years I did that. I was really passionate about helping people. I loved it. But again, I'd have these things where I knew what to do to grow the business, how to help people, but it was always my own headspace that let me down. I was a stressor achiever, so I would stress myself out to take action, stress myself out. Anytime the bills would come in, I'd work really, really hard. Then I'd get exhausted and burn out and everything else. So I noticed that my ability to manage my headspace with stress, with being confident, taking action, imposter syndrome, those things seemed to always hold me back from reaching my potential. Um, And that's when I started investigating mindset and figuring out how can I practically change these blocks 
that I realized about myself. So then I got so passionate about it because I thought, hey, these things have worked on me. I've changed my headspace, my mindset. I've seen the results. And then I just got so passionate about helping everyone else. And that decision was about 15 years ago to go full-time with mindset coaching. So that's the, the short version, if I can say that. Okay, amazing. So I'm going to probably be a little bit annoying and I'm going to keep asking you to go back and go explain. So mindset. What, is, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by mindset? Yeah, so mindset is how you think, how you manage your emotions, and it's your ability to manage stress, your ability to um, problem solve, and it's basically the ability to tap into the best skills and abilities within yourself. So I categorize things as we want to have clear goals, um, and then after that we want to know, okay, how are we going to achieve those goals as an example, but the mindset is always how do we do it with confidence? That confidence is a mindset. Positivity is a mindset. Your ability to be resilient is a mindset. So it's always, how are you thinking? How are you managing your emotions? So my skill is being able to identify, these are the thought patterns, the emotions, the patterns on the inside of you that are holding you back. And how do we change that to be more confident or whatever else it may be? So I know it feels like it would be what you would think is that if you've got a positive mindset, you're much more likely to achieve your goal. But has that been actually proven? So it's interesting, right? So positivity, it depends on what people call positivity because a lot of people will call positivity just pretending that everything's okay. And I don't think that's real positivity. So positivity, when you really look at people who are positive and how it works, positivity is when things go wrong positive people will believe there's a solution and they'll look for a solution. So it's not ignoring the problems. It's just believing that they can overcome the problems. Positivity is when you get knocked down or you have a failure or a setback. Positivity is that ability to bring yourself back up again and then have another shot. So positivity is actually way more strategic than most people think. Sometimes people think that if I'm positive, I'm just going to believe it's going to happen. They just think that it's going to happen just because they have, you know, some sort of positive idea, but Positive thinking is really strategic and it's focusing on your strengths and that form of positivity is definitely beneficial. Okay. And so what, how would you go about if you were working with someone and they were struggling with their mindset, what would you do with that person to help them change? Yeah. So uh, initially it's, uh, you need to have uh, that awareness of what your mindset is doing. So like a really nerdy fact on the brain, you have between 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts every single day. So that's a new thought around every 1.2 seconds. So your brain is operating like a computer. And even though you might have one web page open, your computer's doing all this other stuff in the background. So your brain's very similar. So those 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts, they're happening in the background. And most of the time, people aren't aware of what's going on. So the first phase is we always go, okay, what is your goal? And your goals in life are really useful because they expose your mindset blocks. When you're trying to achieve something new or something hard, it brings up your fears. It brings up your stresses. It shows you what you're not good at and what you're not capable of. So um, from there, we can start to identify, okay, that stress that you have or that fear that you have or that imposter syndrome that you have, what are the background thoughts that are creating that? And then it's pretty simple once we can uh, dig into it. You know, what's the self-talk? What's the story? What, what kind of pictures are going through your mind? Are you imagining worst case scenarios? Do you see yourself a certain way? And then we can break down 
what are these 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts that are going through your mind on a daily basis? And then we can just basically retrain them. So your brain's like a muscle and we can just retrain your brain to have automatic positive thoughts, automatic confident thoughts, automatic motivated thoughts and uh, things like that. So can you give me like an example of one of the tips you would give someone to try and have more positive thoughts? Yeah. So let's say someone comes in and uh, let's say we'll try and make it relevant for your audience. Let's say that someone's coming in and they're saying that their goal is to like become the healthiest version of themselves. They want to be the healthiest version. That's the goal. Then they know what to do. So they have strategies and they know how often to exercise, how they're doing their self-care, but then their mindset might be that they have a lot of negativity in their head. So they doubt themselves, they beat themselves up. Um, and they have a lot of negativity towards themselves, or they just feel guilty for spending time on themselves instead of doing more work, doing things for the family, and then putting themselves first makes them feel guilty. So all of those negativities, one of the things I'd start to identify is what is the story in your head? So we always have this self-talk going through our mind, and it's like an ongoing commentary of our life, and we call that the story. So people, when they think about going to the gym, they might have a bad story. Oh, people are going to look at me. They're fitter than me. They're going to, people are going to be staring. I feel like this. I feel like that. I look like that. I don't look good enough to go there. That kind of negative story makes you want to avoid the gym. Or if it comes to your self-care, you'll feel guilty uh, for maybe prioritizing yourself versus doing work or doing something else. And that would, again, be a story or a narrative in your head. So we would talk about how do we first identify the narrative, the story in your head, and then what do we want the story to be instead? You know, so when you think about the gym, we want to train your brain to be thinking, this is my time to make myself stronger, make myself feel better. This is the time when I'm uh, doing self-care or time on my business. This is not guilty time. This is time where I'm actually giving to me or building something for my family's future. But it's really about identifying one of that, what's that story and then replacing it with something more empowering. Yeah, one of the frequent stories that I get is um, people who, again, are, are coming to me for help and they want to feel well, look better, look after their health. They want to probably lose some weight. But the story is that they've failed in the past. So like, I've mm. already done this before. I've tried before. Like, I know what I'm yeah. supposed to do, but I just don't seem to be able to do it. And I think there's such a great sense of shame that they that somehow they haven't been able to do it and therefore they've already failed and that therefore they're a failure. And we're just caught yeah. in that kind of mindset of how do we break this cycle of, well, if you've already got that thought in your mind that you're going to fail, we're probably setting ourselves up for potentially another failure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Your mindset is everything because if you got to remember, if people are aware that's their negative story, um, you got 90,000 thoughts a day. So even when you're not consciously aware of that, that's still the narrative in the back of your mind. And if you're, uh, you, everyone's had those days where they wake up in the morning and they don't know why, they just feel crummy. They just feel tired. They feel negative. They feel stressed. And there's nothing happening, but that's usually a result of there's been so much negativity in the back of their mind that now it's kind of manifested in their emotions, you know? And then you're trying to do the right actions, but you feel crummy because you've been thinking crummy. And that's the, that's the big thing. Mindset is really the driver behind what you do and what you don't do. And so if we've got someone and we feel like they're, you know, they're maybe their mindset's okay, or, you know, we're in a yep. reasonable good space from that perspective, um, but we're, we're trying to set some goals. One of the things that even personally I find really hard, am I better breaking down my goal 
to small steps that seem achievable or am I better giving myself like a really big goal to push myself or am I best having both a combination of both like in your experience what's the best way to work towards goals yeah uh, I've been setting goals since I was uh, literally 11 years old because I wanted to be that pro basketball player so it was always so I've done so much stuff on goal setting and there's a lot of good things out there and there's also a lot of bad things out there so what I find is the combination is really important, but it's how you use a combination. So you want to have a big goal because the benefits of having a big goal for your health or for your life is it makes it so the strategy on how to get there is really, really clear. So if you have a big goal um, for your health, you, you know that your, your strategy to get there, it can't include chocolate every night because you just won't achieve a big goal. So a big goal, the big goal helps you uh, refine your strategy. So that's where you start. But once you have your big goal, then it has to become the small goals of the milestone. And that's where you need to be focusing. Because if you focus only on the big goal, you'll develop what I call the happy wins. Because the goal seems so far away. And even though every day you're trying hard, you're being consistent, you're being diligent, you're saying no to the right things, yes to the right things. The goal can be so big that you eventually, you feel like, man, I've been at it for so long and I'm still so far away. That's really deflating. So the big goal helps you have your good strategy. And then the smaller goals give you something tangible that you can reach for, something that's achievable. And then that way you get celebration along the way versus feelings of, man, I've been at this for six months and I'm still so far away. Yeah, my goodness me, you definitely hit a bit of a nerve with me there when you talked about the happy when. I know that both my husband and I have been guilty of that so I remember when we were yeah. younger we were going to be happy when we'll be more happy when we finished all our GP exams and we don't have to study anymore or we'll be happy when the renovation's done in the house and everything's done or we'll be happy when the kids are sleeping through the night etc etc yeah. and I think look we can't be alone in that a lot of people um are really stuck in that happy when and oh. so how would you work with that yeah, well, the first thing is, is most people who have the happy wins, they're typically people with high levels of potential. So that's a good thing because if someone's listening to this podcast, they're obviously trying to better themselves. So that's the first thing, which is good. But there is a big trap there with high performers or high achievers or people who like really want to achieve something or have a good life. They do fall into that pattern. So the main thing is, is again, it comes down to that story. No one is going to maximize their performance or their consistency or their motivation if they have the happy wins. Because in order to do anything well and to do it consistently, you need to have a, a, an air of positivity. Most people, they think about their health habits and it's like a lot of negativity involved. Whereas when it comes to things they're already consistent with, like maybe watching Netflix or something like that, all those actions that they don't procrastinate on, they have so much positivity associated. So we want to have the mind where you really learn to enjoy the journey and you celebrate the wins pretty much every single day. So one of the things I get my clients to do, and it's a non-negotiable, is at the end of every day, they have to write out or they have to tell someone like their partner or their kids what their three wins are for the day. Because what that makes you do is it makes you stop and reflect going, what did go well today? well, I, I did this exercise or I did this or I ate well or I just did this work here or I had this good moment and it forces you to stop and reflect it. And with people who, you know, most people who, as I said, are like that full of potential people, they really amplify when they miss the mark. But then when they do something well, they go, oh yeah, that was good. Then they just move on. 
and they haven't stopped and smelt the roses, haven't celebrated it. Um, I've got a friend of mine who he is like a wine connoisseur and I'm really, I mean, I like wine, but I'm not that, you know, that into it. But if I was to go out with him and have a wine with him, he would be utterly disgusted if he gave me a really expensive wine and I'd have shot it down and move on. He would yell at me because I didn't savor it. I didn't smell it. I didn't enjoy the moment. Um, and that's kind of what people were like when it comes to the wins in life. They go, oh, yeah, cool. That's nice. And then they shot it down and they just move on. Whereas what you need to do is every night have that, that process or that routine of going, hey, this was good today. We can celebrate that. We can feel good about it. And no one really wants to do that. But once they see the benefits of it, it is life-changing because every single night you're reinforcing good behavior. You know, like a child, if you catch them doing the right thing and give them a pat on the back and highlight it, there's all this positive emotion associated on doing the right thing. So every single night you're celebrating your wins and subconsciously you're training your brain that, hey, if we exercise, if we eat right, if we self-care, if we stretch, if we do the right things, there's positivity in it for us. So that's a huge, huge technique. It's so simple, but it has a lot of benefit. I will tell you something funny. I was driving home uh from Newcastle last night. So about a 90 minute drive and I had my daughter and three of her ballet friends in the car and yeah. we were listening to, well, I was listening to one of your podcasts. So all these uh, prospective ballerinas were all listening and, and it was really interesting um, because we talked a little bit about exactly this, about how we're all very good at striving for something or aiming for something. But then when we get it, we kind of belittle it a little bit. So we'll say, oh, but, and and uh, we were we were saying my daughter's, you know, she's achieved some pretty cool things. But when she does, she always says, oh, that was nothing. Or they probably only picked me because of X, Y, or Z. It's like always like putting the achievement down. And so why mm -hmm. do people do that? Uh the, the thing I believe it to be right, like everyone has a self image and this is like, a, a this is a really deep question. So it deserves a deep answer, but everyone has a, a self image. They see themselves a certain way. Um, and if your self image, uh, doesn't really line up with the achievement, your brain will try and justify that to yourself. So you might be a high performer, but if you don't see yourself as a high performer, or if you see yourself as someone not good enough or not worthy enough, then the only way your brain can justify such a good result or a good compliment is they must be lying. So you're trying to twist the evidence to fit in with how you see yourself. And that's what imposter syndrome is. It's I'm getting results or feedback in life that is better than how I really see myself. And that is probably the root issue, you know, and I see people with imposter syndrome, they have a win and that's their first response. They must just be saying that for whatever reason. But really the issue is, is you probably don't see yourself as that level. And the, the shame is, is people usually get their, how they see themselves, their self-image based on things of the past, but people focus more on the negative than the positive. So something bad will happen to them. Someone treats them poorly and then they'll remember that more than they'll remember someone treating them really well. So because of that bad event, they start to see themselves in line with negativity. You talked about before. Uh, people will focus the story on how they failed in the past. So now they will see themselves as someone who can't do that. I, I'm not the kind of person who can be that consistent. I'm not a healthy person. I'm an unhealthy person. I'm an overweight person. So then when they start doing the actions or getting the results of a healthy person, it creates inner conflict. 
It's not how we see ourselves. We try to justify it. We try to sabotage ourselves. Things then go wrong. And then we go, oh, see, I knew it wasn't going to work. And then the brain goes, oh, cool. There's no more inner conflict, no more inner wrestling. It's all again. So yeah, I think it's a self-image issue and a self, how you see yourself problem. Is imposter syndrome something that is split equally in the sexes um, or are women or men more likely to have it, do you think? Um, I, I think it's more of a personality type more than anything else because I. it's funny, like the people who you wouldn't, like the people who should have imposter syndrome never have imposter syndrome. The people who are arrogant jerks and they're not good at their job but they think they're fantastic at it, they're the ones who should have imposter and they never have it. It's always the people who are either really empathetic or it's the people who have a really big um, a really big potential or a really big goal. They're the ones who seem to have imposter syndrome. And I feel like it's more of that high achiever or that person who really, for whatever natural reason, their personality, they want to get the most out of life. They don't want to just have um, a family. They want to have a great, enjoyable family. They don't want to just have work. They want to enjoy their work. They don't want to just you know do exercise. They want to have great health. And I find for whatever reason, it's the personality type who have that big vision, that big goal for their life. They're the ones that usually fall prey to it more than anyone else. And it's definitely a term that people are talking about a lot more. You see magazine articles about it and people talking about it on social media. And so yeah. if you, I mean, I feel like I can relate to having imposter syndrome massively, but um, what can you do about it? Yeah, um, the, it, there's there's many things, right? You, there's limiting beliefs, so you have to shift your limiting beliefs. Obviously, uh, we talked about the celebration thing as well. But the the big needle mover out of all of it is you really need to get clear on your self image. So how do you see yourself? How do you label yourself? So if you go through and kind of analyze your self talk, analyze, you know, like who do you see yourself as? I've got clients. And they can be multi-millionaires, but they still see themselves as just a mum. I'm working, you know, I've worked with a lady before and we took her, like I was helping the mindset. She was already smart in business. She went from a million dollars and now she's going up to 10 million. And she was going through these massive goals and achieving heaps. But initially when she was struggling, her mindset was, I'm just a mum. I'm like, but you're a mum, yes, but you're also a really successful inspirational businesswoman. So the labels you give yourself are really important. Um, the exercise I give clients, it's kind of in depth, but the basis of it is we want to begin to get really clear on like our, what, what I call our avatar. What is the best version of you? What is that person like? What are, what are their mindsets like? How do they handle challenges? And I get my clients to begin to visualize who they want to be and how they want to be. And we want to begin to train the mind instead of seeing yourself based on your failures seeing yourself based on just one label, begin to see the best version of yourself and train your mind to see that's who you are. You know what I mean? And that's the big key there. So it's a lot of visualizing how you want to be, mapping out how do you handle challenges, you know, what's your attitude like, what, what are you capable of, what strengths, all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely around the self-image will kill the imposter syndrome. Okay. And I know you mentioned a couple of minutes ago self-sabotage. Uh where does that come from? Like why, I know we do it, but it seems such a bizarre thing that we do. Mm, yeah. Uh, we'll explain it in a uh, big picture. So you're, you're, as I said, 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts a day. That's your unconscious. That's like your habit part of your brain. 
So that part of your brain is always operating and you're not consciously choosing to sabotage yourself. It's just how the brain works. So um, your brain wants to go towards things that are pleasurable, positive, feel good. And anything that is perceived pain, perceived negativity, your brain kind of wants to get away from. So the challenge is, is we will try and achieve a goal. And then part of our mind wants to be healthy, but the other part wants the donut and procrastination or the chocolate or whatever. So we have these different things. So um, if someone is wants to, let's, let's use the example of a gym because my wife, she's a personal trainer. So it's a easy analogy hear it with her clients all the time. So they want to go to the gym. It's Monday morning. That's part of their mind. But the other part of their mind, when they think about the gym, it's perceived negative. Oh, my knees are going to hurt. My back's going to hurt. I'm going to be uncomfortable around all these big bodybuilder people. So when they think about the action they should do, it's perceived negative in their mind. So their brain is trying to avoid that. And then when they think about sleeping in, it's perceived positive because they'll feel comfortable. They'll feel relaxed. So we already have a conflict there. And that's what it really comes down to is people are either driven by their pain or they're driven by their positivity. So if you're driven by your pain, you might take action in the short term because you hate how you look, you hate how you feel. You have an injury in your body and you want to do the rehab to get over it. Um, and that will motivate you for a while, but eventually you're going to want to go towards what feels good and the positives. And that's again, where the conflict is. So your brain is just basically wired incorrectly. In collaboration with this podcast and my clinic, you by Dr. Shauna Watts, we have a challenge for you. For the month of February, it's called Leap Into 2024, and this is all about your health and wellness. It's simple, it's evidence-based, it's free to join, and we've some major prizes up for grabs. So head to our Instagram for all the details. Now, let's get back to this episode. So if I think back to like, a lot of people who will come and see me for help, let's say with their weight or, and mm. um, you know, maybe they had a diagnosis of um, diabetes or something like that. We have to do a big lifestyle change. The reality mm. is that we are in a information age. Like the reality is that people know all this information um, and totally. they'll often say to me, like, I do know all of this, but I just don't seem to be able to do it. Um, yeah. And it's the getting started that's so challenging and then i think you know as you've said it's probably about setting some small goals but also having a larger goal that we're trying to achieve so we might be trying to get them to be off medication or and um, you know normalize their blood sugars or or whatever we're trying yeah. to achieve but and um, i feel like sometimes information age is challenging because there's so much information and people are being bombarded with so much information that it's nearly another source of guilt because they feel like, well, I already know what that and I've watched all these videos and I've read this book and I've, you know, downloaded this and I went to this course and and I still haven't been able to do it. Um, and there seems to be just a bit of a missing piece to the whole puzzle. Mm. Yeah, that's the mindset though, isn't it? That's the mindset because if it's just purely information, if we we're all robots, we would all have six packs and be super fit, super healthy, super flexible, would be fantastic. But uh, we're just not. We're emotional creatures and people and we have a lot of things in our minds. So I think, you know, the missing piece, it really is the, there's two things, right? Like the first thing is if you can fall in love with the process, you are going to get any result that you want. So 
Uh, a lot of people, as I said, when they think about the process, so you give them all the advice, you say, okay, we're going to normalize the blood sugars, get you off medication. Here's the journey ahead. Here are the actions you got to do. And then most of the time people, when they perceive doing those actions, the first thing that pops up is fear of, or that's going to be hard, or that's going to be discomfortable, right? And the people who can really do it and do it consistently, let us find a way to fall in love with the actions. So I know a lot of people, and when I first met them, they hated the gym, they hated exercise, they were never athletic. And then after working with them, you see them like 10 years later, and they're fit all year round. And the thing that we did with them is, okay, cool. Like, this is, you know, what is healthy eating to you? Well, my specialist said, this is healthy eating. Great. So we just have to make you fall in love with that. If you fall in love with that, you won't be using discipline to overcome the, the negative you know, things about that. If you love exercise, whether it's running, walking, gym, whatever, if you really love that, that's what's going to help you have those habits because you won't be tracking the days. You won't be waiting when is this over. It won't feel like a constant battle every day. And that is the real key. So um, there's a few little tricks you can do to help yourself fall in love with the process. Personal story, uh, ever since the age of about 19 years old, I have been an absolute fiend when it comes to coffee. And cappuccinos were like my drink of choice. I couldn't bear black coffee at all. So I was a personal trainer and right up through all my coaching days, I loved cappuccinos. So, but I could go like three cappuccinos in the morning without eating any food. And when I actually tracked <laughs> the reaction on your face right now, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that, that was such an ingrained behavior and there was so much positivity linked. For me, if I was stressed, I would go have a coffee at a coffee shop and I could process everything, strategize. And coffee was always linked to, okay, that cappuccino is my relaxation trigger. So that was a big habit. And I knew from, because I'm a massive nerd, so I track every week, what is my happiness and my energy, my confidence out of 10? I know I'm a nerd. And I noticed that when I didn't have the coffees, but I had black coffee, like ice long blacks instead of cappuccinos, my energy and my positivity and all of that was like through the roof. So I needed to now get rid of something I loved, which was the cappuccinos and turn it into an ice long black in the morning and go from like three to four to five a day down all the way down. Um, so the way I had to do that is I had to train myself to fall in love with that. The way I done it is I associated the, the black ice long blacks with something I really valued. And I loved having energy and feeling good. If I feel good, I feel passionate. I do. I enjoy my work more. I, uh, I wake up with energy. I, it's easy to be positive. It's easy to feel good. So every time it's like time to have a long black instead of a cappuccino, I'm like, oh, this uh, long black is going to set me up for way more energy today. By 3 p.m., I'm not going to be crashing. Da da da. If I, I notice for whatever reason, you might know, but if I have a, a cappuccino in the morning, I'm more likely to eat junk food at night. Whereas if I have a long black, I don't look at junk food at all. So I just knew that this action is going to make me feel this way, give me this strength, give me this positivity. And then I started attaching heaps of meaning to it. You know, so I'm going to be successful in my goals by being an ice long black drinker. You know what I mean? And there's all these associations I intentionally try and associate to the right actions. When I go to the gym, it used to be, man, I'm too busy. I could do other work. I could be relaxing. But now when the gym is like my time, the gym is my time to be in a meditative state, you know, listen to something cool. It's a time of fun and I feel energized. I think about how good I'm going to feel at the end. So I've intentionally 
always trying to program my mind to fall in love with the right actions. And that's what is the missing key, I think. Yeah, I love that. I am um, recently at our clinic, we had all got into this habit, myself and the all the girls of having this um, Coke Zero. Um, yep. And every day at like 11 o'clock, someone would troop off to the cafe and bring everyone back at Coke Zero. And of course, we would all feel really guilt free because it was Coke Zero after all. <laughs> Couldn't possibly be bad for you. And then actually, we all interestingly noticed that everyone was gaining weight. And, and, and then I read this really interesting piece of research, which said that um, diet drinks actually, um, in, even though they might say they've got zero calories, they actually really change your eating habits and lots of your like insulin levels and all the other hunger hormones mm. all change for about sort of 12 to 14 hours after that one drink and that you will make different food decisions all related to that. So we're, we're, we're all now into the sparkling water. We've got these like free stride lines that we're having with our sparkling water. <laughs> so we're trying to reframe our habits. Um, so yeah, I love that. So basically you're trying to attach a positive emotion with something and a habit change and really make it feel like a more positive thing rather than, oh, I can't have X, Y, or Z. So now that's a disadvantage. It's more that because I'm having, you know, this fruit smoothie, I'm going to feel amazing or whatever. Totally. Yeah. If you can just, if people can train their minds to fall in love with whatever they should be doing, when there's a choice between like the Coke Zero or the sparkling water, you will literally crave the sparkling water instead of the other thing, you know? And uh, it's interesting you tell me that about the Coke Zero because now I'm going to need to do that too. Because <laughs> I've been having too many Coke Zeros lately. And yeah, that makes oh, a lot of sense. Honestly, so I I'm think like... I need to use my own mindset tools on myself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I also noticed you talked about. And um, every day that you kind of journal some um, endpoints of the day. And that's one thing that yeah. I really try and get the patients that I'm working with to, you know, we work on a bit of sort of skin, mind, body transformation. And, and mm. I get them to journal because actually there's some really fantastic evidence of how journaling can really change your behavior. And, you know, mm. I, I always encourage them to even journal what they consider the fails, you know, so even if they've yeah eaten badly or drank too much alcohol I say write it all down because the reality is that we know if you write it it actually influences your behavior to change whereas if you kind of yeah. hide it and pretend that you didn't do it and you don't acknowledge it you're actually much more likely to do that same thing again and um, but I'd mm. love to know what is it that you what do you journal each day or what do you track okay so my wife says I'm the most extreme person she's ever met. So I don't know if I've got the best, <laughs> the best example, but again, like this is, this is my whole, this is my passion is mindset. So when I journal, I, I do morning journaling and the morning journaling for me is twofold. I'll either be writing out things I'm processing, you know, like um, this is what I'm facing in life or this is what I'm working on. And I'll just kind of, jot my thoughts about it, what I observe about it, da, da, da. Or it will be I'm reading a book or reading something or listening to something and I'm journaling the ideas or the thoughts about that. So that's kind of my morning prep. I'll also have um, a journal of what are my major wins, like what are the goals for the day? And I'll know this is, this is my outcome for the day. Today's going to be a good day if I can do this or I can feel this or I can do this with this kind of energy or this kind of state. And then at night time, I'm uh, journaling my wins. But the other thing I'm talking about is I have a whole performance tracker that I made for myself where I journal 
what is my um my any uh, my my emotional state which is my my joy my positivity my confidence and that'll be out of 10. so i'll say okay i'm an eight out of ten this week you know and i'll know that i'm really self-aware with that and the, way, the reason why that's important is uh, a lot of people will say your happiness will be dependent on what's happening around you whereas for me i realize that even if there's negativity around me or stress around me if i'm underneath an eight out of ten i know that I'm letting the outside influence how I'm feeling and I need to then step up to that. So I'll journal about, um, I'll track that. And I also track another funny thing called low stim time. Again, um, a couple of years ago, I did this experiment for a whole year where I thought, okay, I'm going to spend between one and two hours a week doing nothing but sitting on the couch and looking at the window no music on it was just literally to like have no external stimulation so no tv no netflix and it was just me sitting there and just relaxing and it was very boring at the start because my brain is very hyper because i get excited about things too much but um what that did uh, by tracking that low stim time i found that every week i'd done it i made more money in the stock market which is weird but whoop, the correlation was uh, when I was that relaxed and calm, I just made better decisions and I was clearer in my mind and I had more energy and I was able to focus more. Um, so ever since then I've been tracking, did I get enough low stimulation time this week where I'd sit on the couch and do nothing? If I was really wired and that was hard for me, I'd go for a walk, but that low stim time is something else I, I'll, I'll track. And so is that something that you set time aside for every day? It is booked in my diary. And if I can, I prefer to do one chunk a week. So it was like two hours blocked in and I'll try to sit on the couch and just chill for two hours or stretch or something like that. Um, if I'm really busy, I might be benefit more from 30 minutes every couple of days, you know, but um, at the start, it was really, really tough. The first time I tried to do it, when I realized the research, when I looked into how the mind works, when I noticed my behaviors, my clients' behaviors, I tried to put a chair in a room, turn the light off and sit on the chair for five minutes with my eyes closed. That was the most painful five minutes of my life. And it just showed how much my brain would be revving. And it was no wonder my sleep wasn't great and everything else. So um, yeah, so nowadays it's booked in the diary and it's just as important as an appointment as seeing a client, just as an important of a, a booking as this podcast is to show up for. It's that important to me because I see the benefits if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And when you when you're doing that, do you fall asleep or are you meditating or are you literally just trying to look St out the window? Staring out the window. That's it. And just going slow. That's it. Going slow. So that's my style because I have a nice view I can look at. Um, other people that might be too low stims, so then just go for a walk. But the main thing is, is I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not listening to a music. I'm not listening to anything or doing anything. I'm not trying to figure things out. I'm just trying to just chill and just go extremely low stim. Some people who really struggle with it, best thing you can do is just, you know, jump on the floor and just do a big stretch session with no music on and just chill and just go slow, you know? Yeah, I think I need to listen to you, Ben. I'm not very good at that. I'm the kind of person who fills every moment with something, uh, usually, yeah. trying, usually trying to learn something. Um, yeah. So I know that we, your focus is often working with people in business. And, and obviously when I work in health, you know, a lot of times people do come to see me because their job is completely stressing them out. So like 
you know, employment and, and health are just so interconnected. Um, and, you know, people will often come to see me because they're depressed about, you know, they just hate their job or they hate, hate their life or they feel they're really, really stuck. Um, is that some of the clients that you would work with? Yeah. So for me, it's always people who know they have more potential and they can't get there. That's, that's like my bread and butter. So, yeah. So if people uh, are, they, they're stuck or they're stressed out by things, it's again, it's when I can notice that, you know, they want to get someplace and their mindset's holding them back for whatever reason. And I've had multiple clients over the years where they don't know what to do next. They hate their job and they don't know what to do. And it sounds funny, but the solution to that, uh, a lot of people just want to jump out and just go to a new job. I think the best solution is first get yourself really happy and then you'll know what to do because the brain doesn't think too creatively and the brain doesn't have a lot of clarity when you feel like junk. So when you feel good and you feel positive, that's when you know what to do or not. So, yeah, so for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think very similar. I, whenever I have a patient who is depressed or anxious and they often, they very frequently want to leave their job or relieve their relationship. And mm. um, unless they're in, in danger or I always say, let's get you better first and then let's mm. see if you feel the same way. And then you're going to be in a much better place to make that decision than potentially someone who's depressed and anxious, changing, making some really life-changing decisions that they might look back later and think, oh, actually, why did I do that? That was a bit of a disaster. Yeah, for sure. And just one more thing to point on that as well is um, when you're feeling like pretty flat, pretty negative or struggling, your natural levels of resilience are already kind of depleted. And if you're going to do a big move or a big change in life, you're going to need that resilience because it's going to be difficult. It's going to be new. So that's why getting yourself feeling good, getting yourself healthy, working with you first is going to be really important before they make that change because then they'll know they're making the right choice, but then they'll also have the energy, the strength and more resilience to be able to cope with all the change. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Ben, if you were able to sort of distill some advice down for, you know, if someone's listening and they feel like they're a bit stuck, they... They kind of know what they need to do, but they're just really, really struggling. Tell, tell me what they need to do to get started and, and move in the right direction. Cool. Well, well, we'll combine a few things together. So if they're really struggling and they go, all I'm going to do is I'm not going to work with Ben. I'm just going to literally take advice from this point here. Great. You're going to put yourself on a mental detox where anytime you have any of that negative story, you're going to shut it off. And you're going to tune into a new empowering self-talk. So you're going to focus on your opportunities. You're going to focus on your abilities. You're going to focus on the resources you have within you and around you. And that's how you're going to change your story. So for like 14 days, let's say, I'm not going to allow, if I was them, I would not allow any of that negative story to come in. I'm going to get tempted to. I'm going to want to complain. I'm going to want to like argue with people in my head. I'm going to shut that off and I'm going to go on to um, that, that positivity and detox the negativity. I do that. And then I'd also look at, okay, there are things I can't control. Maybe I don't enjoy my job or I'm like feeling like this. What are those things we can control? And then how do we associate positivity to doing them as much as possible? So if that was exercise, if it was eating right, if it was taking more of your advice um, when they're working with you, I would just say, okay, write down three of those actions and write out as many ways as you can possibly think of, of how you can associate as much positivity to doing those things. If you can do that after 14 days, you're going to feel way more resilient, way stronger, way clearer. 
and you're going to feel more empowered to know what to do next. Do you think there's any benefit to like gratitude practices? Like, do you think it, um, do you get your clients to write down three things they're grateful for or anything like that when you're working with people? Yeah, it's definitely a part of the process. Um, that's part of like changing your story, you know? So you want to be a grateful, because great, grateful people are happy. Positive people are happy. Solution-based people are happy. So that's part of the story. Um, I kind of combine, that's kind of happens naturally when you're doing the wins for the day because that's where you're tracking what went well. And that is a, a form of gratitude as well. But the main thing is, is there's a lot of things in mindset that work. You just got to do it with enough intensity, if that makes sense, to really make it stick. So um, I've done gratitude lists before and they didn't work for me because it felt fluffy. But then tracking my wins at night felt really empowering, but it's exactly the same thing. It's a gratitude list. It's just framed differently. So yeah. And um, we have literally just launched a bit of a challenge for our patients and it's like nine little goals that we want them to do every day. And it's interesting. Awesome. So one of the, one of them is not to touch or look at their phone for the first 30 minutes of the day. Um, Brilliant. And um, it's really interesting how many people um, like love the thought of that, but then it's this really visceral response that's the one challenge that you know, even though we're asking people to walk and we're asking them to not have any fizzy drinks and all that kind of stuff, but the the giving up the phone first thing in the morning is I had a real visceral response. And I have to admit, I am so guilty. As soon as I wake up, I lift my phone. Like it's yeah. such an addiction, and mm. it's amazing how much we need that. I don't know whether it's stimulation or gratification or I don't know. It's we're definitely pretty attached to our phones, so. And we are trying to challenge people to do things a little bit differently, but it's hard. Well, all the concepts I've been talking about, right? Like your brain goes towards things that it is perceived pleasure and all these social media apps, you've probably seen the Netflix documentaries, but they're all designed to stimulate your brain and to give you all these positive emotions and these feedbacks. So that's what you're competing with. I'm telling you to manually do it. Like think about the gym and associate all these positivities you open up Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and it's already triggering all those emotions for you anyway. And that's why you wake up, you feel a bit groggy and then your brain goes, how quickly can we feel good? I know, we'll just open up and scroll. And it's a lot of it is trash, it's doom scrolling. You feel maybe not great after an hour of it, but your brain's getting these little hits of all this positivity and all this emotional input. Um, that's why it's so hard to break. So yeah, so I would again, just be going like, what are all the positive associations to not doing that? You know, for me, if I, I know that if I check my phone in the morning, the science says I am uh, preloading and pre-wiring my brain to be like, I think it's 90%, 90 times more distracted in the day. If I look at my phone in the first hour, that's how the brain works. So you're like preparing your brain to be distracted for the rest of the day. So for me, I'm like, okay, if I don't look at my phone, what are the positives? I'm going to be more focused. I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to be like getting things done. I'll probably finish work like three hours earlier. I'll be like more chilled. I'll sleep better tonight because my brain won't be distracted all day. So if I can keep stacking the positives, that's how I'm going to rewire my brain in the opposite. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to steal that now and tell that to my patient. Yeah. The, the other <laughs> one is really interesting. I know it's probably not exactly related, but you did mention Netflix is I'm old enough, so 47, that I grew up and you waited from one week to the next to see the next episode of something. And actually, yeah. that 
that was actually quite exciting. It was quite good waiting to see what was going to happen next. Whereas, you know, I do find myself, I'm, I go from actually not watching TV at all for months or in fact, probably went through a few years of barely watching TV at all. But then when I do watch something, I kind of just keep hitting that next episode, skip the recap, yeah. next episode, skip the recap. And I'm thinking, how am I going to stop? See, all these technologies now, there's a lot of really smart people like neuroscientists helping these guys design their content. It used to be really rare back in the day where you'd have a, a TV show and it would say to be continued. You know what I mean? Like old episodes never used to link into each other. Now everything links in and all of that is just playing on this human nature of um, our brains are going towards this next buzz or this next positive trigger, you know? And that's why, again, the message today is really if you don't do it intentionally to yourself, life is going to try and do it to you. And that means you'll be addicted to Netflix, you'll be addicted to your phone, you'll be addicted to junk food because all these things are kind of programming your mind. And if you can just get used to just taking a bit of that control back, you'll have a bit more freedom from these things. But yeah, so. Ben, you've been amazing. I just have, I've got two more questions for you. The, cool. the, the last one really is, and um, this is obviously a, a crowded space. There's lots of health coaches and mindset coaches, and there seems to be lots of information out there. Is is there anything out there that you think that people shouldn't do? Like, do you think there are any sort of practices or suggestions that are actually bad for people to follow or that, you know, might make things worse for people or anything that you read that makes you cringe and think, oh, that's not right at all? Uh, yes, uh, it's such a, it, there's so much out there and some of it that even if I don't connect with it and I don't think it's really good, it still might help someone. So I, I wouldn't criticize that. My main thing is, is, uh, whenever I see anything on like a meme or like some little like Instagram short and it's some person like going, if you, it's, it's coming from the place of like, if you want to achieve something, you have to beat yourself up. You have to be down on yourself. There was, there was one video and I just cringe every time it comes up and it's just a video where he's like, if you want to uh, imagine like this guy, he imagine he puts your head under the water and you're struggling to breathe and you think you're going to die. And then at that moment when just you're about to pass out, he lifts you up and he says, when you want to succeed as much as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. That there is the worst advice I've ever heard in my life because this mindset where you have to beat yourself up and um, feel miserable in order to be really successful and achieve something, it is the unhealthiest advice ever. And I know because I've worked with people who are in their 50s and 60s, they're multi, multi-millionaires. They should be super happy. They don't haven't had to work for 10, 20 years, but they're miserable because their whole life has been driven by pain, driven by negativity, and it just doesn't work. So Anything that tells you, you know, you've got to be miserable and beat yourself up and suffer, suffer, suffer. There's always going to be challenges in your growth, but I would say just run for the hills. You know what I mean? You will perform better when you're enjoying life, when you're happy, and when you're enjoying all of your values, not just one value of being successful or healthy. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, basically I know that you use the analogy of you'd rather that the, the donkey was following the carrot rather than moving yeah. because it was being beaten by a stick. And that's absolutely pretty much what you're saying that, you know, yeah. it, you shouldn't be going towards your goals because it's so painful. 
yeah, yeah. Avoid stick-based motivation, whatever you can do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ben, if anyone listening would like to work with you or find out a bit more about you, how could they do that? Yeah, just go to my website, which is getunlockedcoaching.com, and you'll see on the coaching tab there, um, there'll be information, but basically my process is, is I connect with everyone initially just for a free 30 minute chat, just to make sure that we're a good fit, uh, make sure that what they want aligns with my specialties. And then we can also make sure we're a good alignment. So um, all my information, my podcast info and some other freebies and all of that are on getunlockedcoaching.com. Amazing. Why is it called Get Unlocked? Because I feel like people have a lot of potential and they know what they want, but they're kind of locked up. You know, it's like they they know they need to be confident to take action or take a risk, but they're kind of locked up in their emotions. They're full of stress and they can't get themselves out of their own way. So when I see someone, I'm like, hey, if I can unlock them, that'll mean that they can, um, you know, use their potential, use their skills, use their creativity, use their abilities. And it's unlocking their skills, unlocking their abilities. And that's why it's called, yeah, Get Unlocked. It's an amazing name. And, and do you feel it's possible to kind of have everything? Is it possible to have the amazing job and the great family and the happy relationships and the friendships? Is it possible to, to do it all? Do you have any clients who you feel like are knocking it out of the park in all the categories? Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, is like, it's always a journey because there's a lot of stuff to clear up and there's a lot of things to learn, but it's definitely, definitely possible. And uh, I don't really phrase it as in have it all because you might think the money, this, da, da, da. what it comes down to is people are fulfilled when they know what their values are and they're hitting their values. I've got a, the latest episode on my podcast is me talking to one of my clients and he started working with me and he thought he needed to have millions of dollars and all of that to be happy like all of his friends are. But then when we actually got clear on what makes him happy, he's like, you know what? I just want to enjoy my family, enjoy my work and cycle. And then we he redesigned his whole lifestyle of just nailing his top values. And that's what fulfillment is. And that's the key there. So knowing what your values are, what you really care about, then you can have your version of 10 out of 10 for that. And then, yeah, that is definitely possible. And that's part of the plan, I think, of how to have a really good life is how do you achieve that? And uh, yeah. I absolutely love that. So mm. I promise you this is the last question, even though I keep saying it's the last question. <laughs> be free. I just want to pick, keep be picking free, your, be free. Be I want to keep picking your brain. So in, in reality, so if you could go back and talk to young Ben who wanted to be a mm. basketball player or who was a young um, uh, personal trainer, what would you love to tell your younger self that you know now? Tell my younger self. <sighs> There'd be so much. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures. I learned from all of them. Um, I think the, the thing that I needed more than anything was the understanding that I could control the things that are going on in my mind, if that makes sense. Because not like I was anxious or depressed, but I was just so self-aware almost to a fault. And if I, if someone had said, oh, hey, just so you know, you know how you wake up and some days you're fearful when you play basketball or you meet a new uh, personal training client and they really intimidate you because they're a certain type of personality. Like, every, like confidence is a skill and it's a skill to learn to control your emotions, control your stress and control your thoughts. So I think that, that lesson that I have control of that would have really, you know, saved me a lot of pain, a lot of stress, because 
when you have these thoughts happening and negativities and the frustrations of it, sometimes you can feel like a victim, like there's nothing you can do about it. And as soon as you feel like there's nothing I can do about it, nothing I can change, your brain gives up trying. And that's when you get really stuck. So I think that message there would have helped me the fastest out of everything. So Amazing. All right. Mm. Thank you so much. You've been amazing at sharing all your wisdom and uh, hopefully everyone listening has learned a lot today. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I hope so. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really love you to leave a review or share with someone who you believe would benefit from hearing this conversation.